Welcome to Investing Insights for the Modern Investor, a quarterly podcast to help you become a better investor so that you can grow and protect your wealth. I cover investment topics, including portfolio design, cutting edge investment strategies, risk management, personal finance, and any topic relevant to creating better long-term investing results. This podcast is a companion to the Three Summit Investment Management quarterly client letter called Summit View. We make Summit View available to the public, so if you have not already, please go to www.3summit.com forward slash Summit View to subscribe to our client letter and receive it in your inbox every quarter. For more information about 3Summit Investment Management, go to our website at www.3summit.com. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Investments involve risk. Be sure to first consult with a qualified investment manager or tax professional before implementing any strategy. This podcast is not intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice. I am Dan Irvine, the president of 3Summit Investment Management. Thank you for listening. Let's dive in. Every financial crisis worth talking about inevitably uncovers weaknesses in the markets and the methods investors use to participate in them. However, from the ashes of major financial crises over the last few hundred years has come important financial innovations, including one of the most important innovations in modern investing, the Exchange Traded Fund, or ETF for short. Hands down, the most frequent question I get is, what is an ETF? Today on this podcast, I'm going to answer that question. The growth in the number of ETFs that trade, in addition to the diversity of investment exposures they provide, has eliminated a significant barrier to bringing high-quality investment strategies to individual investors. In fact, the proliferation of ETFs is a major reason I was able to launch 3Summit Investment Management and begin leveling the playing field for individuals and smaller institutional investors. ETFs make it possible to design and implement high-quality quantitative investment strategies that require dramatically smaller minimum investments than pre-ETF days. It is now possible to deliver the strategies once exclusively the domain of the largest investors to the masses. So ETFs are good, and they should play an important role in the modern investment portfolio. My goal from here is to explain what an ETF is, how it works and compares to the more widely understood mutual fund, and finally, how 3Summit uses ETFs to manage investment strategies. So let's dive into the big question first. What is an ETF? I am frequently asked what an ETF is and how it differs from the better known mutual fund. ETFs share the most important qualities of a mutual fund, but have many other advantages that make them a preferable investment vehicle in most cases. ETFs, like mutual funds, are pooled investment vehicles, meaning investors can buy shares of a fund with each share representing an undivided interest in the underlying portfolio of assets that the fund holds. Also, like mutual funds, the majority of ETFs are regulated under the Investment Company Act of 1940, 
which provides important protections to investors, including oversight by an independent board of directors, a requirement that fund assets be held separately from assets of the advisor, and comprehensive oversight by government regulatory bodies, namely the SEC. Both ETFs and mutual funds allow for shares of the fund to be created or redeemed at any time. ETFs, however, enjoy some additional important advantages over mutual funds. For example, they are more tax efficient, provide superior trading liquidity, are more transparent, and generally carry much lower expenses than mutual funds. While there are exceptions, a major distinction between a mutual fund and an ETF is the approach that the respective fund structures use in investing the fund's assets. Mutual funds take an active investing approach by seeking to earn greater returns than a specified index by picking individual securities that analysts and portfolio managers believe will outperform that index. ETFs take a passive investment approach by investing in the underlying securities of a specified index with the goal of achieving similar returns to that index. Before we discuss in more detail the advantages I just mentioned, it is helpful to learn how pooled investment vehicles like mutual funds and ETFs came into existence in the first place and how ETFs solve some of the major limitations of their predecessors. I would like to take a quick detour at this point to give you the story of how ETFs came into existence. Before pooled investment vehicles, investors, regardless of the amount of assets they needed managed, faced many difficult challenges. Individual investors, for example, frequently do not have large enough investment accounts to buy the many dozens of securities that may be required to cost-effectively diversify their portfolios. After all, Trading large numbers of securities generates high commission costs that significantly diminish overall returns. Also, most investors who do not make a career out of investment management do not have the time, specialized resources, or interest in doing the research required to select the securities that should be bought and sold and then actively managing those positions in their portfolio on an ongoing basis. Pooled investment vehicles solve these problems by providing investors an efficient vehicle to invest in highly diversified, professionally managed pooled securities by simply buying a single security. Pooled investment vehicles were a game-changing financial innovation without a doubt. Now, the idea of pooled investment vehicles is not new. The first mutual fund is credited to a Dutch merchant in 1774. The fund had a Dutch name, which I will not try to pronounce, but it meant unity creates strength. This first pooled investment vehicle was born out of the Amsterdam liquidity crisis of 1772. The investment vehicle allowed investors to pool their money together to gain economies of scale, therefore providing each investor cost-effective diversification across many more assets than they would be able to invest in on their own. This first Dutch fund invested in a hundred different assets in geographically diverse markets, including Europe and South and Central America. The fund was a huge success and remained in existence for a staggering 120 years. It was not until 1924 that modern open-ended mutual funds came into existence in the United States markets. However, 
they were largely overlooked by investors initially. That is, until the Great Depression. Prior to 1924, closed-end mutual funds were the most common pooled investment vehicle and a successor structure to the first Dutch fund that we just talked about. Unfortunately for investors in closed-end funds in the late 1920s, the market collapse caused by the Great Depression exposed a serious weakness in the closed-end fund structure. Closed-end funds began trading at deep discounts to their NAVs, or net asset value. A fund having a discount to NAV means that the price at which investors can redeem their money from the fund is significantly lower than the value of the total assets owned by the fund. The structural inefficiencies of closed-end funds caused losses for closed-end fund investors during the Great Depression to be much worse than had they owned the underlying assets of the fund outright. A closed-end fund has a fixed number of shares, so the price of a fund's shares can diverge greatly from the fund's NAV when there are large imbalances in the number of sellers versus the number of buyers in the market. In contrast, open-ended funds allow for the creation and redemption of shares as opposed to operating with a fixed number of shares like closed-end funds, and this helps ensure investors can redeem their shares of the fund at NAV at the time of redemption. The ability for fund managers to create and redeem shares was a major leap forward in both how efficiently a pooled investment vehicle could operate, but also greatly reduced the liquidity risk a fund investor would be forced to accept. After the issues closed-end funds experienced in the late 1920s, investors embraced the new open-ended mutual fund structure and open-ended mutual funds began to proliferate the markets and they still do today. Research began to emerge in the early 1970s that mutual fund managers were not very good at picking stocks and rarely beat the overall market as measured by popular indexes like the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Underperformance versus major indices by mutual funds continues unabated in today's markets. The legendary investor John Bogle, who founded Vanguard, took notice of the research and came to a very logical conclusion. Why invest in actively managed mutual funds when two out of three funds fail to beat the markets and picking the one winning fund is as hard and unlikely as picking a winning stock? Successful investing is, after all, as simple as investing in the ideas with the highest statistical probability of success. Bogle concluded and evangelized that investors should simply invest in the total market indexes to increase their returns and the probability of success, instead of betting on individual managers who try and pick winning stocks. After all, mutual funds rarely beat their chosen benchmark indexes, so owning the index will most likely yield better investing results. Indexes in the 1970s, like today, were just a tool for aggregating the total market or smaller segments of the overall market so investors can easily visualize and make inferences about the general performance trends of the market. The problem with Bogle's idea of investing in indexes was that indexes are not investable, meaning an index is not a security. They are just analysis tools for evaluating markets, so you cannot simply go out and buy an index. In 1975, 
Vogel solved this problem by creating the world's first index fund, which allowed investors to invest in a very close proxy to a specified index. An index fund is a mutual fund that invests in all or most of the securities in the same proportions as the target index the fund seeks to replicate. For the first time, investors could efficiently invest in close proxies to indexes and for very cheap. Bogle created a new investment philosophy, and it was called passive investing, which is defined as investing by simply owning the market versus active investing defined as the process of picking individual securities within a chosen market and then trying to beat that market's returns. The mutual fund complex is a big money business, with the majority of mutual funds being active investment strategies. Bogle's Passive investing innovations have made him one of the least popular investors among his peers in the industry for more than four decades, and he remains a target of their ridicule today. If the quality of an idea can be judged by the amount of ridicule disseminated by industry insiders, then John Bogle's passive investing innovations are certainly one of the most important financial innovations in at least the last 40 years. And believe me when I say his innovations really are that good. In the same way that the creation of pooled investment vehicles and open-ended mutual funds were created in the wake of past financial crises, ETFs also came into existence in the fallout from a major financial crisis, specifically the U.S. stock market crash of 1987. Large institutional investors discovered that they needed better liquidity in trading large volumes of stocks than mutual fund structures could offer. Specifically, institutions needed the ability to trade a basket of stocks in large volumes intraday instead of being restricted to trading only after market close, which is a restriction of open-ended mutual funds. Several early attempts were made at creating baskets of securities that could trade intraday. But the early fund structures had limitations, including very large minimum investments. It wasn't until 1990 that the first exchange-traded fund was created on the Toronto Stock Exchange. This product became very popular, and soon efforts to bring the same fund structure to the U.S. markets began going through the regulatory processes. In 1993, the first ETF in the U.S. was launched by State Street Global Advisors, and it was called the Standard & Poor's Depository Receipts. It was a fund that was designed to closely track the S&P 500. The original SPIDERS for short ETF trades under the ticker SPY and is still the largest ETF by assets managed and has by far the highest daily trading volume of any ETF in the market today. Initially, the SPIDERS ETF was primarily used by institutional investors to execute sophisticated investment strategies. The ETF structure provided many benefits over mutual funds, the most attractive being the very low cost. It wasn't long before savvy individual investors and financial advisors took notice and began trading in ETFs. In 2003, ETF launches took off and began to multiply at an unprecedented pace across a broad range of markets and asset classes, a trend that continues today. Presently, there's about $3.4 trillion in assets invested in about 1,915 ETFs. So now that 
we've developed a better understanding of the origins of ETFs. I'd like to revisit the structural advantages that ETFs provide over mutual funds. We now know that ETFs have many distinct advantages over mutual funds, so let's quickly examine the most important. The first being greater tax efficiency. ETFs are almost always preferable to mutual funds for taxable investment accounts because they generate less tax liabilities in the form of capital gains distributions compared to a similarly structured mutual fund. ETFs generate fewer taxable events because of how they are structured to handle shareholder redemptions. A mutual fund manager is constantly rebalancing the fund by selling securities to reallocate assets and meet investor redemption requests. When securities are sold in a mutual fund, capital gains are created and then passed through to the investors through capital gains distributions. Even investors who have unrealized losses on the mutual fund position must pay taxes on the capital gains generated within the fund. Paying capital gains tax on a losing position is not simply unappealing, it's a very inefficient way to grow wealth, yet it's very common when holding mutual funds. Conversely, the structure of ETFs allows for managers to handle contributions and redemptions without creating taxable events by creating or destroying what's called creation units, which represent a fixed basket of securities that approximate the entirety of the fund's holdings. These structural differences between ETFs and mutual funds in how they handle redemptions are quite complex, and they don't really add to our conversation, so I will not get into the details here. However, the important point is that ETFs manage contributions and redemptions using in-kind transfers of securities for ETF shares and vice versa. This eliminates the need for managers to liquidate any holdings which would trigger a taxable event. So using in-kind transfers, managers of ETFs are able to limit the number of taxable events that would generate capital gains distributions. The next advantage is better liquidity. The primary reason ETFs are more liquid than mutual funds is that they trade on an exchange intraday. This means ETF shareholders may buy or sell their shares at the net asset value of the fund anytime throughout the trading day. Mutual fund shares can only be traded after markets close and the trades are executed directly with the fund provider instead of over an exchange. Intraday trading capabilities is one of the most important advantages an ETF has over mutual funds. The next advantage that mutual funds have over ETFs is that they're more transparent. ETFs are generally more transparent than mutual funds because in most cases, ETFs provide transparency into underlying holdings on a daily basis versus a mutual fund, which can report holdings quarterly. This transparency makes it easier to evaluate and monitor the management of the individual ETFs. Additionally, ETFs generally provide full transparency into the security selection and trading process, and the security selection is systematic, meaning manager discretion does not really play a role in how an ETF is managed. The final advantage that ETFs have over mutual funds that I'd like to discuss is a very important one, and that is lower fees. The most important fee difference between ETFs and mutual funds is that ETFs do not carry sales loads. Most actively managed mutual funds charge a sales load when shares are purchased. 
charging anything from 1% to more than 5% for simply having the pleasure of buying the mutual fund. Furthermore, mutual funds carry a management fee that is charged as a percentage of assets invested per year. According to Morningstar, as of 2016, mutual fund management fees averaged 1.45% for actively managed mutual funds. Many financial advisors receive the load or a portion of the management fees as commission for investing their clients in a mutual fund. This is a motivating factor for why many advisors invest their clients in mutual funds instead of ETFs. The usually poorly disclosed fees can be very lucrative for advisors and also a direct conflict of interest to their client's best interest. It is important to note that 3Summit does not generally invest in mutual funds. And if we do, we invest in funds that do not carry loads. Also, because we are a fiduciary, we never receive compensation of any kind from fund companies for investing our clients' money. ETFs do not carry a sales load, but since they trade on an exchange, each trade is subject to commissions. Commissions are very minimal and rarely exceed $7 per trade and are paid to a broker just as trading a stock would be. ETFs charge a management fee that the manager of the ETF receives and they are usually much lower than the management fees charged by mutual funds. According to Morningstar, as of 2016, the average ETF expense ratio charged as a percentage of assets per year was 0.23%, with many ETFs charging fees below 0.05%. So as you can see, there is a major cost advantage to investing in ETFs versus mutual funds. In almost all cases, ETFs are the much more cost-efficient vehicle to invest in when compared to mutual funds. I would like to now shift gears and talk about how 3Summit Investment Management uses ETFs to implement quantitative investment strategies. In a previous Summit View client letter, I covered quantitative investment strategies in detail. The investing insight was called Quantitative Investing, Systematic Decision Making. This piece can be found on our website in the fourth quarter of 2017 Summit View Client Letter. I would recommend reading that letter because the topic I'm about to discuss build on the ideas presented in that letter. Also, I will be explaining a chart in the next section. While you will likely be able to follow along without looking at the chart, the chart makes the concepts I'm going to cover more clear. That chart, as well as a link to the fourth quarter client letter, can be found on our website in the show notes of this podcast. A core tenet of 3Summit Investment Management's investment philosophy is that the highest probability of earning superior investment returns over the long term comes from exploiting market inefficiencies resulting from investor behavior, and not in picking individual stocks. Before ETFs, implementing quantitative investment strategies in smaller portfolios was not possible or practical because it required buying dozens or even hundreds of stocks that may have specific qualities required to generate excess returns from the targeted market inefficiency. The quantitative model then requires periodic buying and selling of stocks as stocks previously not included in the portfolio meet the quantitative model criteria for purchase 
And when included stocks no longer meet the model criteria, they need to be sold. Buying adequate numbers of shares for each stock to offset the transaction cost requires a large portfolio. However, there are so many unique ETFs that provide very specific exposures to different types of stocks. It is now possible to buy one or a few ETFs to gain the same market exposure that a few years ago would require buying dozens of individual securities. Remember, ETFs are designed to mimic an index of securities. What many investors do not realize is that there are over 80,000 indexes representing exposure to well-known indexes like the S&P 500, but also to much more obscure indexes for very specific market exposure. For example, all U.S. footwear companies. An ETF can be created for virtually any index that is designed to mimic the returns of that index by buying all or most of the index constituent securities in the same proportions as the index holds. Therefore, if the footwear index has an ETF in the market, I can gain access to the footwear segment without investing in individual footwear companies. I can simply purchase the footwear ETF. To illustrate how quantitative investment strategies can be implemented with ETFs, I'm going to present an example of one type of quantitative investment strategy called momentum. Momentum strategies have historically been very effective at earning returns capable of beating the market. Momentum stocks are stocks that have exhibited the most upward price movement in the recent past. The theory behind the momentum stock anomaly is that because investors often chase returns or follow the pack, they tend to invest in stocks that have performed the best most recently. A quantitative investment strategy can be designed to exploit this market inefficiency by using quantitative models to measure upward price momentum of individual stocks relative to that stock's peers and then buy only the stocks that demonstrate the highest upward price momentum. Historically, implementing this strategy required running all relevant stocks through a quantitative model on a regular basis and buying the highest momentum stocks and selling the lowest momentum stocks. A momentum strategy may need to buy as many as 100 stocks and make hundreds of buy and sell transactions over a quarter. Using ETFs is so much more efficient and allows 3Summit to implement momentum strategies much more efficiently because we can buy a few ETFs that provide the necessary exposure to momentum stocks instead of dozens of individual securities. Even large institutions now commonly implement quantitative investment strategies using ETFs instead of individual stocks because it is so much more efficient from a cost perspective. 3Summit implements momentum strategies for individuals by building quantitative models to evaluate individual ETFs for exposure to high momentum stocks instead of evaluating individual stocks themselves. We then buy and sell the ETFs that provide exposure to momentum stocks in the segment of the market that we seek to use the strategy. To get access to high momentum U.S. large cap stocks, we examine the underlying holdings of all large-cap stock ETFs and find ETFs that concentrate holdings in high-momentum stocks. 
The chart in the show notes demonstrates how it is possible to use ETFs to gain exposures to momentum stocks instead of buying dozens of individual stocks. In this example, we use a scatter chart to plot the individual stocks held by an ETF with market cap on the vertical axis and the trailing 12-month returns on the horizontal axis. High momentum stocks would have the highest trailing 12-month returns and would therefore be charted further right on the horizontal axis. Stocks with the largest market cap would be closer to the top of the chart on the vertical axis. So when we plot all the individual stocks held by an individual ETF, we are looking for ETFs with the most holdings clustered in the top right quadrant of the chart to use in our momentum strategy. If you're looking at the chart now, the orange circles represent individual stocks held by an ETF that replicates the S&P 500. And the size of the circles show the relative size of the allocation of each stock held in the ETF. The blue circles represent holdings of a large cap high momentum ETF. The blue bubbles are clustered in the top right of the chart indicating that the holdings are almost exclusively high-momentum U.S. large-cap stocks. Additionally, the largest holdings represented by the larger blue circles have the highest momentum and the largest market capitalization. The investment mandate in this example was to gain access to U.S. large-cap high-momentum stocks. The chart shows that the ETFs trading under ticker MTUM fits this mandate by providing very efficient exposure to the highest momentum and largest capitalization U.S. stocks. I hope you come away from this podcast with a better understanding of ETFs and how they can be used in sophisticated investment strategies. I also hope that you have a better understanding of how ETFs differ from mutual funds. I launched 3Summit Investment Management with the goal of providing individuals the highest quality of portfolio management available, which for decades has been exclusively enjoyed by only the largest institutional investors with multi-billion dollar portfolios. Our mission to level the playing field for individual investors was primarily made possible by the proliferation of a broad spectrum of ETFs in the marketplace. The value of multi-strategy portfolios invested in many quantitative investment strategies implemented using ETFs, like the portfolios we create for our clients, cannot be overstated. These investment tools provide a big investing edge because they make it possible for us to structure portfolios to dramatically reduce a portfolio's risk without compromising returns versus the conventional portfolios most commonly used in the investment management industry to manage individual investment portfolios. I hope you come away from this podcast with a better understanding of ETFs, how they're different from mutual funds, and how ETFs can be used to implement sophisticated investment strategies. If you have any questions about the content that I have covered during this podcast, please do not hesitate to contact me directly. This is Dan Irvine, 
with 3Summit Investment Management, and I look forward to talking to you next quarter.